because truly faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I thank God for his word, especially the book of Romans. And I hope it's been a blessing to you and uh, it's been a blessing to me as, as we feed upon it, as we feed upon it. Let's, let's go to the Lord. Father, this morning we come, Lord, with grateful hearts. Lord, our, our hearts are filled with wonder and awe uh, at who you are, uh, that uh, you would be so gracious as to reveal yourself to us. Lord, you could have left us all in our, our sin and our misery and uh, uh, condemned under your wrath, uh, and you would have been just in doing so. And yet, Father, uh, uh, because you so loved the world, you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, God, fill us with that love. Uh, Fill us with the love that you have for us, that unconditional love. Uh, that humble love that is demonstrated in, in the coming of our Lord and our Savior uh, in, in a manger. And uh, so, Father, help us to fix our eyes upon, upon you. Lord, that we would see that, that uh, all, is, all of this is about you. And uh, as has already been prayed, uh, what you have done in us and for us. And so, Father, we, we just give you praise and glory. Uh, Lord, help us uh, to be not with a flippant attitude and, and just to get, go through the motions. To, uh, uh, Lord, but have our hearts really stirred by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's so easy, Father, just to, to hear and to, to go away and, and not be moved. And not be convicted by your word, not to be stirred and moved, uh, not, to, not to even care sometimes uh, about what's going on. But Lord, we know uh, that you're here with us this morning. And we know and, and, and really do uh, feel your pre- and know your presence uh, because where two or three are gathered together uh, uh, in your name, that you're in our midst. And so, Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. And, uh, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Empower us to to live uh, the Christian life. God, we need you. We need you uh, every day of our life. Uh, And uh, so, God, we would pray uh, for those who uh, have physical needs in this congregation. I think of Sue and, and her a broken arm, that you would just continue to comfort her and strengthen her and and bless her. And for those that are still traveling in a way, Lord, watch over them, bring them back safely. And and so, Father, we lift up the needs of this congregation to you, which are many, and and knowing that you care. uh, You care about us. You really do uh, uh, answer our prayers as we pour out our hearts to our Father. Because you are our Abba Father. You're our Daddy Father. Uh, And we can, uh, uh, with boldness, come before the throne of grace. And let let us, Lord, just see how much it's grace. As we'll look at that this morning. Grace, grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Oh, Lord, we we thank you and and, uh, we, we praise you. And. Lord, help us to pray to you every day, just to walk and 
and, and about our chores and just to uh, uh, praise you for uh, your great love. And, uh, and, and so, Father, uh, bless us now as we look into this portion of your word because uh, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so bless it uh, as we uh, hear it read and as we study it, God. And may we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You have your swords. Open to the book of Romans. I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 7 of Romans chapter 6. And uh, I will not be commenting on the whole seven verses, actually just the first two verses, but just to get a, a feel of what's being said here. He says, Paul does, after saying all that he has said in, in uh, Romans chapter 5, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Wow, what a powerful uh, uh, portion of God's word. And uh, there's, there's a lot here and we'll spend the next two weeks uh, trying to understand a, a, a what it, what it says to our hearts. And uh, <clears throat> remember, the, the, the scriptures, as, as they were written, did not have chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. It did not have headings that men have placed in here as telling you what it's telling you or what Paul's telling you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Uh, never forget that. Uh, he leads us into all truth. Don't hold something because a certain man held it. Don't hold it because I hold it. And I say that earnestly. You hold it because the Holy Spirit has taught you that. Because you're convinced of that from God's word. It's God's word that we follow. Because this is God's word. And... Uh, uh, you're responsible. One day you will stand before God and give an account. And that means you will give an account to God of uh, your understanding of his word. You won't be able to say, well, it was Sid's fault. If he had just told me, see, we love to pass the buck. You understand? We do that, don't we? As Adam did. Lord, it's this woman that you gave me. It's her fault. And... Uh, but uh, we do that. No, it's, it's, uh, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to hear from God. 
and uh, he will lead you and he will direct you if you ask him. And, uh, uh, and so there's a real danger uh, of holding something because a certain man or a certain even a system holds to that. No, you hold it because God has told you that's it, this is his truth. This morning and next week we'll be look at, looking at the death of the old man as I see it. Again, there are those who would, may not hold this interpretation. That's fine, uh, but let God speak to you. Uh, there's one thing for sure that I know, and that is Paul's goal is to teach justification by faith alone. That's what he's been teaching up to this point, uh, that we might be certain, certain of our salvation. The righteousness of God becomes ours through faith in Christ. And this is what he is hammering home uh, in one sixteen, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To all those who believe, it's by faith, it's by trust, it's by clinging to, looking to, uh, relying on. Uh, all of these words describe that it's uh, Christ and Christ alone uh, by which we're saved. And uh, that's where we need to focus. And Paul does that. We're justified freely. We're declared righteous freely by His grace. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. Uh, you're, you're not saved by keeping the law, and uh, no one is kept saved either by keeping the law. And uh, Paul's driving this home. In Romans chapter 5, we saw, again, that we're justified by faith. We're justified by His blood. Uh, and because of that, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done, because of his death on the cross, because of his obedience, we can be saved. We can be saved, and we can also have peace with God. Uh, what does that mean? We remember there is no uh, condemnation to us. We can have, the, the wrath of God has disappeared when it comes to us, his wrath no longer abides on me. We can really have peace with God. Aren't you thankful for that? The wrath of God, of God is gone if you're in Christ. It's gone. It's absolutely gone. And <clears throat> God did this while we were uh, yet sinners. Somebody get me some water if, if you wouldn't mind. I'd, I noticed that my old bottles I've been using for the past three or four weeks are gone, so. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's gone. While we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, while we were ungodly, while we were helpless, Christ died for us. Let that really sink deep into your heart. He didn't love you because you were such a good person, that he got the pick of the litter when he got you. no. While we were shaking our fist in his face, he died for us. And you need to let that really sink uh, deep, deep, deep into your, into your heart. And uh, so Paul is talking, thank you. So Paul is talking about uh, the contrast there in chapter 5, what it is uh, to be in Adam and what it is to be in Christ. And uh, uh, I want you to see this. In Adam... There is a certainty of death 
uh, sin, death, and judgment. That's a certainty. And certainly nobody's going to argue with that. If you're in Adam, judgment, the wrath of God, that's a certainty is upon you. But if you're in Christ, there is a certainty of salvation. There is a certainty of life. And so when you were in Adam, death, judgment, condemnation. But now over here in Christ, he says, what? Life, salvation. You see, you see what he's doing here? He is telling us it's because of what Christ has done. In verse 19, remember, of, of Romans 5, by one man's disobedience, many are regarded as sinners. But by one man's obedience, that's Christ, by his obedience, many will be regarded as righteous. In Adam, by his one sin, by his one act of disobedience, everybody was uh, uh, made sinners because of what he did. And again, we've talked about a lot of people don't like that, but that's just what the scriptures teach. Uh, you know, uh, in Adam, there's, there's nothing but condemnation, death, judgment. But now over here in Christ, by his obedience, we have righteousness. It's Christ's obedience that guarantees you of making it to heaven. It is his obedience that guarantees you making it to heaven. It's not your obedience. Get that out of your mind. It's not your obedience that gets you to heaven. Salvation is not by obedience. Okay? Except the obedience of Christ. And we are, because of his perfect obedience, declared righteous. Perfect. We're declared perfect in his sight. When he looks at Christ, when he looks at us, he sees Christ. Because we're in Christ. Used to be in Adam, now we're in Christ. And this is what Paul is trying to drive home uh, in, in his teaching. It's not 99% what Christ did, but you have to add your 1% over here to make it. If you have to do anything to earn it, you don't have it. You understand that? Because if you just mess up in one point, you're guilty of disobedience to the whole law, Paul says. So you kind of have to put all of this together, and it's extremely important uh, that we do that. And uh, also, he said in verses 20 and 21 of Romans 5, the law, he says, what about the law, the Mosaic law? He says it came in or was added, this is what we saw last week, uh, it came in alongside of sin so that sin might increase. It came in so that you could really see how sinful sin really is and how really sinful you are. People don't like to hear that either. You mean I'm a big sinner? Yes, you are. I mean, you know, that doesn't make you feel good, does it? Unless you're in Christ. Because if you're in Christ... You can be the most wicked person that's ever lived. If you're in Christ, you're safe. We're going to get to that because uh, uh, of what Paul says next. But, uh, uh, boy, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's incredible. God was gracious in giving us the Mosaic Law. He was gracious in doing that. Why? Because it exposed sin. 
it exposed our, our uh, failure. It exposed uh, how wicked we are and how much we really need a Savior. You see, if you're not sick, you don't need a physician. But if you're sick, you need the great physician. If you're spiritually sick, and everybody's born spiritually, not only sick, but spiritually dead in their trespasses and sin. See, not just a little bad. No, you know. No, you're dead in trespasses and sin. But the good news is you're alive in Christ. See, that's, that's, the, that's the, the contrast that Paul is saying here. In other words, this is good news. This is the best news that you could ever have. It's free grace. It's free grace. Why? It's purchased by Jesus. It's free. Doesn't cost you a thing. You know? If somebody gives you, remember the old illustration, if somebody gives you a million dollars and said, here's a gift, all you owe me is a penny. It's not a gift. Now, that's a good deal. You see? But it's not a gift. And if it was uh, Jesus giving all that he had, but you giving one, uh, one penny to the deal, it's no longer a gift. But it's by faith, by trust in what he has done. This is, this is just. And so we saw also where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace abounded all the more. Sin increased, the law came in. We see how horrible sin is, the depth of sin, how wicked we are. But grace is greater than all of our sin. Somebody says, but you don't understand, I am a real wicked guy. Grace is greater than all your sin. There is nothing that God won't forgive. If he forgave me, he can forgive anybody. Just talk to my brother and how I treated him growing up. And you'd say, boy, you deserve death because of what you did, and I do. But God's grace is greater than all the horrible things that I've done in my life or will do in the future. Grace is greater than all of our sin. We saw in Adam that sin reigned, past tense. If you're a believer, it's past tense. But we also saw that if you're in Christ, grace now reigns. Grace reigns. Sin does no longer reign, but grace reigns now. Uh, grace abounds all the more. The more transgressions, the greater the grace. The more transgressions, the greater the grace. The more transgressions, the greater the grace. Believe it. You see, it comes to a matter of believing it. They said, you know, that, that uh, uh, there were people that... Uh, were under somebody's authority and they were freed and yet they kept bowing to the person after they were freed. They did not accept the fact that they were free now. They kept, they kept bowing and said, you're free. But they acted like they weren't free. We need to act like we're free. Believe it. Rejoice in it. Be happy about it. Don't keep acting like we're not free, that we're still a slave of sin because we're no longer a slave of sin. And this is what the scriptures teach. And so Paul now in chapter 6, and we're going to only be looking at these two verses, so uh, 
It just won't be uh, very long. But I wanted to say all of that, though, to say that uh, Paul was a very wise man, and Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, could see questions and understand questions that would arise uh, by people uh, over this grace, great grace. He, he says then in verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin then so that grace would increase? You know, this is, this is pretty, pretty incredible uh, say. Somebody who, uh, if salvation were by works, no one would ever, no one would, uh, ever think of this question. Think about that. But uh, somebody would say, but you, uh, you better be careful. You know, someone might say, uh, the more I sin, then the more God will be glorified because his grace will be, cover that. So, man, I can just be a big sinner then. I can do all these horrible things. Why? Because God's grace is going to cover it. You can see where somebody would have that kind of attitude to what Paul has said. Why? Because what he is saying is that this grace is so great that you would think that. You understand what he's saying here? So now do you continue in sin just to show how gracious God is, that you would glorify God more? In other words, your sin, being a great sinner, would just show how gracious God is. Boy, what weird thinking that is, isn't it? I mean, but you can see where somebody would think that. Uh, not that that makes it right, but it doesn't excuse sin in our life, but you can see how someone might say that. And so, uh, uh, so sin more because God will be glorified more. Now, is that what he's saying? Absolutely not. He's not saying that. But he knew that someone would think this. Uh, I can go on sinning but the, because the greatness of God's grace will cover it. I will just go on sinning because the grace of God will cover it. <clears throat> but in verse 1, Paul anticipated the problem. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? What does he mean by it? What shall we say then? Then, I think, in light of the superabundant grace that I've been telling you about, what shall we say then in relation to this superabundant grace that I have been talking about? He asks the question, are you to continue in sin to show how gracious God is? So, you know, there is a danger in a sense of saying, well, you know, you're saved for eternity. Just live it up. You're secure in Christ. You're safe in Christ. Then just go out and live it up because it's all covered. I can't lose it because it's so free and it's so guaranteed. And that is true. I can't lose it. It is guaranteed. It is free. All those things are true, but do I go out and sin then just to show how gracious God is? And what does he say here? God forbid, and we're going to see that. 
No, I think grace doesn't produce an attitude like that. Grace will not produce an attitude in your life, then let's just go out and sin all we want to because it's covered. Grace doesn't do that. Why? Because grace is going to change your attitude. It's going to change how you think about sin. It's going to change uh, all of that. Uh, and uh, uh, that's what I think he, he's, uh, he's getting at. And so what does he say here? God forbid, he says. God forbid. But when you preach free grace, you run the danger of people taking it the wrong way because it is so great. And that's what Paul realized. He realized then that he would be accused then by people of saying, then just throw the law out. It doesn't matter how you live. Uh, You can go out and steal now. You can go out and murder now because God's grace is so great. Well, God's grace is so great, but a, a person who really has been listening to what he's been saying through these first five chapters isn't going to take it that way. See, this is the, somebody that has that attitude has a real misunderstanding about the grace of God and the power of God that he's talking about. And uh, all of those things are true. You're free and uh, you're justified. You're declared righteous. But he says, God forbid. Now, it's interesting here when he says in, in uh, uh, verse 2, he says, God forbid. Really, the word God is not there. It doesn't say theos with forbid. It doesn't say God forbid. Well, why did, the, why did the translators put God there for emphasis? And so I'm not saying it's not a good way to, to translate that, okay? Uh, New American Standard, though, really translates it very little, uh, uh, literally, may it never be, okay? It means may it never be, Paul is saying here. May it never be. Uh, It should never, ever even be suggested is what he's saying. You shouldn't even think this, he's saying. God forbid. So that's a good way of saying it. I'm not saying that, but it's not God is, uh, the word God, though, is not, uh, the person God is not there. But it's unthinkable, he says. He says, may it never be. Let it not be. By no means, he says. I just, I just emphasize that because it's, it's so, so emphatic here. Uh, uh, that's why he's so strong uh, in this part. But uh, <clears throat> and, uh, he, he's dealing with, uh, uh, with uh, sin. He is dealing with sin and our attitude towards sin. What is your attitude uh, towards sin? What is your attitude towards sin? Does the grace of God make you say, oh boy, I can go out and sin. If the grace of God, if that's your understanding of the grace of God, that you can go out and sin, then you have a misunderstanding on the gra- about the grace of God because it does not produce that in the heart of a believer. But what is your attitude towards sin? What does it say? What have we already looked at in verse 21? Grace reigns through righteousness, Paul says. It reigns through righteousness. It does not reign through sin. See, grace reigns through righteousness, not through sin. You see, 
he said here, we die. Sin doesn't die. We die. We died to sin. We died to sin. It's really interesting. Matthew chapter 121, she shall bear a son. This is in the Christmas. Uh, uh, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people in their sins. Is that what it says? No, from their sins. You see, sin is important to God. Sin in your life is important to Him. Whether you sin or not is of vital importance to God. Living a holy life doesn't save you, but He wants you to live a holy life. Even though it doesn't save you, that should be your attitude towards God. It should be to please Him, to love Him, to follow Him. Not that that saves you. But he saved us from sin, not in sin. Boy, that'd be nice, would it? You could have your cake and eat it too, that you could just, yeah, I'm a believer, and then just go out and live like the devil. Boy, a lot of people, they'll have that understanding. You know, they'll say there are two types of Christians, those that are really dedicated to Jesus and those who are living in carnality and you know, just, you know, we'll, we'll keep praying for them and hope they get back. That's not, I don't believe, what Paul's saying. Now, he says, he says uh, uh, how shall we, that is Christians, how shall we believers do what? What? How shall we believers what? That died to sin. That died to sin. And there is an interesting thought concerning this. I don't believe Paul is saying uh, those that are dying more and more to sin, uh, those that should die to sin, those that uh, ought to die to sin, those that might die to sin. uh, No, he's saying that died to sin. He says we died to sin. You say, well, that's funny because I still have a sin problem. I'm tempted to sin. I fall into sin. Da, 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 da. Yeah, but he's not talking about that. Remember, justification is now what? We're no longer in Adam, but what? We're now in Christ. Sin no longer rules and reigns in the heart of a believer. I think that's exactly what he's saying here. He's still talking about justification. It no longer rules and reigns. Why? Because you're in Christ. You're no longer. If you were in Adam, you would be acting wickedly. Why? Because that would be your nature. That would be the natural man that would be living uh, uh, in you. But he says no. And, And to even further, I think, teach that, it says though that those that died, this is the aorist tense in the Greek. The aorist tense, and that means nothing to you. But you have the past tense in Greek, and the future tense, and the pluperfect, and all that stuff. But you also have the aorist tense, and the aorist tense uh, uh, points to uh, a period in time. It's a historical fact. It's an absolute certainty that at one time, at a certain point, you died to sin. When did that happen? When you became a believer. All believers. When you became a believer, you died to sin. Now the question is, have you died to sin in your life? To the rule of reign 
of sin in your life? Or does sin have dominion over you? And he's going to talk about that as we'll see next week in 3, 4, 5, and 6. It's all about I died to sin. I died to sin. Interesting, interesting uh, uh, way of looking at things here. He's talking about our position, our position in Christ. What is our position in Christ? We have died to the rule and reign of sin. In Adam, we were a slave to sin. We were bound to sin. We served sin. All of these things that describe what we were in Adam. In Christ, we died to the rule and reign of sin. Let's look at some verses. It says, but get up and stand. This is, of course, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul. On your feet, for this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a, a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes that they will turn from what? Darkness, see, under the dominion of sin to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith. No longer under the dominion of Satan, he says. Also, Colossians 1, 13 and 14, for he rescued, see, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness, from the dominion of darkness, and transferred us so, in other words, we were here in Adam. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We're now in Christ, is what, what he's saying. Very clearly, Paul is saying just in another way. In whom we have redemption in Christ. See, you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But only in Christ do you have forgiveness of sins. Over here in Adam, there is no forgiveness of sins. Why? You're still being ruled and reigned Sin is in your, in your life. It's raining in your life. I think this is what the scriptures teach. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait, eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is now in, in heaven. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens that you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. In other words, you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, he says, now you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You're part of God's household. I think this is what the scriptures teach. It teaches uh, very clearly uh, this, this truth. And uh, so can we uh, continue in sin who have died to sin? Can it rule and reign over us? I think not. I just don't think it can. 1 John 3, 6 through 10. The one who abides in him sins. The one, no one, excuse me, I was going to, that doesn't make sense. No one, see I have to check myself. No one who abides in Christ, in him, sins. Now the sins here in the Greek means continues to sin. Has a lifestyle. It doesn't mean just sinning because we all sin. But what he's talking about is a lifestyle. 
No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who, see, the idea that goes back up here is practices righteous is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, this is what he's talking about, is of the devil. See, if, if sin is ruling and reigning in your life, Scripture says you're of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin. That is, con, uh, pr- continue practicing sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil. See, we only have two groups, those in Adam and those in Christ, uh, uh, are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. It doesn't mean that he, it doesn't, mean that he doesn't sin or fall into sin. Uh, can't even, like David, commit even a heinous crime. But if he is not practicing, if his lifestyle is like, well, I don't want to go to church, I never read my Bible, uh, I never witness, I don't care anything about spiritual sins, but at age 12 I walked an aisle. That doesn't save you. That's works. Have you been born again? See, have you been born again by the spirit and power of God? Where now you practice righteousness. See? And then he goes on and really makes it know the one who loves his brother. Boy, you, you know, that, that's where the rubber meets the road. Now, there's, uh, you know, are we under the power of God? Blessed are the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who according to his great mercy has called, see, it's God who's caused us to be born. He began it to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You're protected. You're kept by what? Your own power, by your obedience? No, you're kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Why? We've been changed by his power. Of power and love and and of sound mind. Boy, that's good news. This is good news he's telling us here. Paul is being... Very, very clear. And you say, well, I'm tempted, though, to sin. And that is true. We are. But thanks be to God. Oh, several verses were left out. But anyway, uh, when we're tempted, the Bible says, it's not, it's, it's not that we're tempted by God. We're tempted by our own lust. And we're tempted by Satan. Uh, and... Since now, as Christians, we have the power of God within us. We've been born again. We have the Spirit of God living in us. Then we can now resist. We can now resist that temptation and walk before God. And this, of course, is sanctification. This is what we will see further on in the book of Romans, how you walk out your salvation. But right now, what Paul is trying to tell all of us so that we would be secure is that what? He gives us the victory 
the victory is already ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives thanks who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just ask you uh, again. Just going ahead here because of, of time constraints. What is your attitude towards sin? What is your attitude towards sin? And I'm, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself here. What is your, our, my attitude towards sin? Is it a flippant attitude? Is it, is it, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm perfect in Christ. I can just continue in sin because it's all covered. Or do we realize that God is concerned about sin in our life? He really is concerned how we live the Christian life. Not for salvation, but how we walk. And we're going to see that further on in the book of Romans because he gives us some specific things that as Christians to do. What is our attitude? Because you know what? Let no unwholesome word in Ephesians 4 proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace, and we see that again to those who hear. See, this is, this is where we need to understand. Dealing with a holy God, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed, and we are sealed. See, that's the thing. We're sealed. And so with that attitude, gosh, I'm in Christ. I cannot be taken out of Christ. Just as I was in Adam and I couldn't get out of Adam to be in Christ until the Holy Spirit, uh, and I was born again, now I am in Christ and I'm just as safe in Christ as I was over here lost in Adam. You understand that? You were so lost in Adam, but now you're so saved in Christ. And this is what Paul, get excited about it, he says. You're declared righteous, perfect in God's sight. But you can also, if you're not careful, say, then it doesn't matter how I live. It does matter how you live. For one thing, it's going to show your attitude towards sin. And, And if it's flippant and you don't really care about your life, have you really been born again? And I say that earnestly. I have uh, a relative who says he's been born again, still says it. He was with women before he was married. He was with other women after he was married. The whole time, the whole thing, all the vows he took were a total sham. And he says he's a Christian. I don't think he is. Based on, I can't judge him, but based on God's word, I think because of his practicing lawlessness and practicing, he's still over here in Adam. I think he thinks he's over here. Why? Because he has a misunderstanding of what Paul has said that we've been talking about this morning. Do you? Do you understand the importance of sin? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind 
tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. This morning, uh, we have a, a, a wonderful privilege. And if the men would come forward.